Women Taking the Lead, episode 139. Only hire A's. So A plus A equals A. And and that's about attitude and, um, you know, A players, B players, C players. So you tip, you want to hire A players because they will hire other A players. If you hire if you hire less than that, then, then they kind of stay at that level. And, and really, it's all about attitude. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognize to reserve your spot in our upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work you do. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Karen Jahanian, who is the owner and president of KMJ Consulting Incorporated, an innovative transportation engineering consulting firm that focuses on improving mobility. Her firm is located outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Karen has been an entrepreneur since she was eight years old, and that is her true passion. She likes to best herself and continually improve while helping others to do the same. In her spare time, she volunteers, reads, plays golf, and takes long walks on the beach. And now that the summer is here in Maine, Karen, I am also (laughs) enjoying that beach. But that's just a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Okay. Well, hi, Jody. It's it's really nice to be on your show. And um, I'm looking forward to our exchange today. Um, Well, I am the oldest of three uh, siblings, and we grew up in a working class family. My dad was an electrical contractor, and my mom, until I entered college, uh, took care of us and basically, you know, managed managed the household, managed us, managed my dad, and uh, to a certain extent, managed his business as well. Um, when I when I started college, my mom went back to work after what like close to 20 years and as a legal secretary and frankly it took I think it took a lot of courage for her uh, to do that after after such a long time and while she was working at this law firm they we also had the advent of of computers so she went from you know, a manual typewriter to an electric typewriter at home. And then suddenly she has, you know, this whole computer thing that she had to learn. And I think, you know, looking back on it, the courage that she had to do that was an inspiration to me. And I think to my siblings as well, to see that, uh, you know, that our mom who took care of us was able uh, to go back to work. And, um, as and growing up, I was surrounded by entrepreneurs. Obviously, my dad, you know, my brother and I used to go to work with him in the summers, and that involved pushing him around on on uh, the scaffolding when he was at the top. And from time to time, when we had friends, uh, we had some friends who you know were installing a swimming pool and that required lighting. We would help my dad. Uh, pull the wires uh, through the conduit. So from from pretty early age, we had an idea of of what it meant to have your own business. And actually, currently, all three of us my my brother and my sister and I have our own businesses. Uh, 
and so I, I think that's that's kind of telling. I guess another in, inspiration or or background uh, kind of background sounds that we grew up with were from our grandparents. Uh, they were all survivors of the Armenian genocide, and when they came to this country, they they started from scratch. But they, while none of them had their own business, they each had a, they had a fantastic work ethic and very strong family values, because most of them had lost many of their family members, and that uh, therefore had great meaning to them. And I think. You know, Armenians coming to the United States, they they basically did three things. They would build a church, open a school, and then start a business. So this is the the environment in which I I was raised. And then I guess around the seventh grade, I knew that I wanted to own my own business. And I had I went to junior achievement and and participated in that and really learned a lot from that experience. And I somehow, you know, landed in in civil engineering, and I went to Drexel that has a, a co-op program, and you know, went through several uh, different jobs, and then I had an opportunity to start my own business uh, and with a partner, and so I, I seized I seized that opportunity, um, and that's and that's kind of you know how. I got to to where I am uh, today. Wow, you've had a lot of inspiration <laughs> in your life, and I'm very moved by your story and your grandparents. I really get a sense of the deep roots your family has put down here, and they've worked hard, you know, to make a life for themselves and for their children, and to make sure that their children were inspired, you know, to see the vision through too. That really comes through in everything you're sharing, Karen. It's so amazing. And, you know, it's hard to imagine that anyone given that kind of support system and that upbringing would ever have a moment of doubt, right, about themselves or what they're doing, any any uh, shifts in confidence. But, but you and I both know that that's not true, that, you know, we're human beings and it doesn't matter what kind of support system we have. We all have our moments of doubt where we don't really know our true value and what we're capable of. And I like to call those our playing small moments. So if you don't mind, take us back to a time when you were playing small you may not have been aware of it at the time, but realized it in retrospect. Share with us that story and the lessons you've learned. Well, you know, I think you're right about that and um, about the, the part of, you know, when you have such a strong uh, support system. Uh, I was, you know, grew up in a very patriarchal society that from time to time I had conflict with and probably Believe it or not, my I think my biggest playing small moment was when I thought that I needed a business partner. And I I quit my job and I I started to go into business with someone and then mostly because I didn't think that I could do it on my own. And partway through that process before we actually, you know, incorporated in things, I realized that I was making a big mistake. And that in fact I I could do it on my own. And, and it's one of those moments where I wasn't comfortable. And that's, that's how I knew that, that it just, it just wasn't right. And that 
regardless of what the struggle ahead of me was going to present because when I when I quit my job, I, I essentially said I wasn't going to work for anyone again and that uh, I was, you know, I was going to do things on my own. But I, I did, you know, ultimately um, think that I needed a partner and then I realized that that was, that was a big mistake. So that, I think that was my biggest playing small moment, although I have to say I've had a number of them since that time as well. <laughs> Yes, haven't we all? Because we all have that next level that we can get to and we don't know if we're capable of it, right? We're still exploring that. So there's always there's always room to grow. But Karen, I just want to say, you know, that's amazing. And, you know, I want to say like congratulations and kudos because you were uncomfortable. That's the way you described it, right? You were getting a sense that this was not the right decision and you acted on it. And I know so many women who have that feeling like something's not right. This doesn't feel good, but they logic their way through it, right? And talk themselves out of making any changes because it doesn't make sense. We've already put all this energy and effort into it. What would I say to this business? So in this case, what would I say to this business partner? I could ruin the relationship, yada, 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 yada. All of that stuff starts going through our head when we start to feel uncomfortable and think about what it would take to take action on it, but you did. And my goodness, look at you now. You have your own business. You've had your own business for several years and you've been successful. So you clearly made the right decision. I think so. <laughs> I think so too. And, I, and I think that my, you know, our staff uh, feels the same way. And, and it seems as though like the, the engineering community in which we exist, um, you know, has, has taken note of it. And one of the reasons that I that I created the company was because I, I really wanted to create a more friendly and supportive culture. So, and I, and then that's how I, that was the basis for founding uh, KMJ. And it was with the intention of, you know, creating an atmosphere that inspires creativity and that our people care about each other as much as our work product and, and our clients. So um, it, it feels, it's, feels like it's the right thing and i think that as we've moved forward we've we've gotten validation that in fact it is awesome all right karen now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call for some people it's like a lightning bolt moment and for others it's more of a slow awakening that ends up you know coming together in a moment of action so take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success so that's a really interesting question and it's and you're right sometimes it's it's evolutionary and and there are and sometimes you I, you have to hear the same thing multiple times. And <laughs> yes. I think for me, I, unfortunately, as as self-aware as I would like to think that I am, there are times that I just need to hear the same story repeatedly. And and this one in particular was that I think as for me as a woman, I many times go to that, you know, typical fallback, oh, this is happening because I'm a woman. And if it, I were a guy, I wouldn't have this issue. But what I discovered, and I discovered this because um, a group of my of my um, classmates, for some time we've been meeting on a monthly basis, and uh, you know we all went to Drexel. We have all essentially stayed in the Philadelphia area, and we've you know kind of grown up in in the environment, and 
in the same engineering community and we all worked together. So one day we were sitting around and having conversation. I started telling the guys about this problem that I was having with one of my employees. And one of the guys looked at me and said, oh, I have that situation on a daily basis. And I thought, really? I thought it was just me. And he said, no. And, you know, this happens to me all the time. And I said, well, what do you do about it? And he said, I tell the person to get the hell out of my office and go and solve the problem on their own. And that, while it might seem like it's a minor, a minor occurrence, it, I finally, like it woke me up and said, okay, you don't have to accept what everyone is tossing into your open mind. And sometimes it's garbage, but you can just say no. And you put up the stop sign and it's, and it's not because I'm a woman. It's just because that's how the person is. Mm-hmm. So that once, once my, um, my colleague get, told me that story, it, that definitely was a life-changing uh, occurrence for me. Yes. Oh my goodness, Karen, you're, you're, my brain is firing right now because, you know, um, any, anyone who's in business, right. And any person who's a doer, an action taker, a problem solver can relate to the experience of people constantly coming to them with problems, right. Or with more work, or can you do this? Can you volunteer? Can you take this on? And, you know, we have to set limits because yes, we can do, we have a, I mean, I can, I can honestly say, and I know this is probably true about you too, as well. You know, you have a really big bandwidth, but you also have priorities. And there are also things that really need your attention. And I had a client one time come to me with, with this issue where he was the business owner and people kept coming to, into his office with problems and he would just take them on. And then at the end of the day, realize he hadn't gotten any of his own work done because he was doing everyone else's work. And so, you know, through a conversation, he came up with this um, system that he was going to use or more of a strategy where when someone comes to his office with a problem or comes to him with an issue, he's going to imagine that they have a monkey on their shoulder and his job is to make sure when they leave his office, the monkey is still on their shoulder. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't want it on mine. And also I'm trying to build, uh, I'm trying to build capacity within the individual. So if I continually answer their questions, then it's, it's not good for them. And it, it certainly isn't good for the company. And, you know, and, and many times it's a struggle because I, I want to collaborate with them. I want I want to create, you know, that the friendly culture, but sometimes I have to just put my hand up and say, "No, you you need to go back and and solve this one on your own." And I'll and I'll try and ask them some questions to get them to to think about what the solution yeah. might be. Yes. Like point them in the right direction. You're absolutely right because if you're always solving the problem for them, you're actually doing them a disservice because they never develop that research muscle or that that critical thinking or problem solving muscle that's so important to have. I'm sure for them in the next phase of their career. Absolutely, and even and in the next phase of our company as well. Because while mm-hmm. I, I kind of I don't want to make myself you know indispensable, but I in order to have growth each person has to build, uh, you know, a core capacity within themselves as well. Absolutely. And, you know, this conversation is a really good segue to the next question I want to ask you, which is about your leadership style, because, you know, we all have different personality styles. We have all different backgrounds and experience. And, you know, we, we all have different strengths when it comes to leading. 
And that's okay. It actually takes a lot of different styles to make up a high functioning team as well. So it's great that we all have different leadership styles. So Karen, how would you describe your leadership style? Well, I, it's, I think it's uh, collaborative. At least that's what I would like to think that it is. Uh, I'm sure that from time to time it becomes authoritative when someone needs right. to make a decision. But, you know, I I like to envision us in a rowboat and that we're all going, rowing in the same direction, you know, together as, as a team. So when we have staff meetings, um, one of which we'll have today, I like to go around the room and, you know, have input from each person. I don't, uh, and, and, and really to collaborate. That's, that's what gets me going, like to, to problem solve together and to, and to come up with um, a resolution that works, you know, for pretty much everyone. So fun. Such a fun process. And Karen, I'm curious, you know, because we're all faced with new challenges. Is there anything that that's currently like your biggest leadership or business challenge that you're faced with right now? Um, so we have, well, we have a few because, you know, like any, any company, you, there, there are always challenges, but we have also, so in the, in the 18 years or so that I've been in business, what I've noticed is that we're, it's kind of like the stock market. Our revenues will take off and then they'll back off a little bit and then take off again. So we're in one of those uh, growth modes. So, you know, things backed off a little bit last year and this year I think we're, we're setting up, I'm teeing up for a, a good growth mode. So in order to do that, we have to, you know, make sure that our staff are all, you know, kind of up for that challenge and that each person is like a, like a little business development pod, I like to think of it as. So I think our, our, our big thing that we're working on now is for to educate everyone, to get them into the right mindset so that we can move forward and, and move up. Uh, so from a company standpoint, that's, that's one of the things uh, that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And what's one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Well, outside of the company, okay. um, one of the things that I do, I'm, I'm involved with uh, Drexel's Close School of Entrepreneurship. And I've been, I've guest lectured for, for that school a, a couple of times. And last year I was a co-instructor for a course called Launch It. And I'm hoping that in September I'm going to start start teaching a course uh, in entrepreneurship. So you know we'll see how that goes. It's not it's not a set set in stone yet, but teaching is really really interesting. It has really helped me to kind of expand my mind and and understand more understand people more. Mm. Uh, which as an engineer, you can imagine that's, that's, that's been a, I wouldn't say a, a challenge, but it's something that we have to work on as engineers. Right. Right. And teaching at the college level allows for more collaborative discussions like you enjoy. Yes. 
So there's that opportunity yes. as well. And Karen, since we haven't um, really gotten into it up until this point, I was wondering if you could, you know, for the people who are listening, give us an overview of your business. I know you, you do engineering, you're focusing, it's transportation engineering, focusing on mobility. But if you could describe a couple of the projects that you have going on as well to kind of give people an idea of the work that you do day to day. Oh, terrific. So, you know, we're, we're civil engineers and we deal with the public quite frequently. So one of the aspects of our work is stakeholder involvement. And almost at every step of the way of our, even our regular work, we are dealing with issues, civil, civic issues. And one of the things that that I think um, areas that are resonate the most with, with individuals is we design um, handicap ramps uh, curb ramps, they're called. And one of the things that, one of the ways that I, I found I was able to inspire our staff is to show them some photos of, of friends who, who I have who are confined to a wheelchair. And we, we have lots of calculations and tabulations and forms to complete and all kinds of stuff to do relative to designing this curb ramp and making sure that from an engineering standpoint, it's up to code. But when you get to the heart of it, the purpose behind a curb ramp being designed properly is so that a person in the wheelchair can navigate it without popping a wheelie or toppling headfirst because of a poorly designed ramp. Mm. And when I showed some of these images to our staff, I think it really resonated with them to the point where we had done a guest lecture to a civil engineering class and the opening statement that our staff made to the class was at any time any of us could be confined to a wheelchair. And it was such a power, powerful statement that we had the attention almost undivided of all 35 students in the class. So as civil engineers, when you think about um, how you're benefiting society with the work that we do, it's very powerful. And it's something that I try and keep the forefront of the minds of our engineers so that we're not just preparing plans and studies, that in fact there is a societal benefit that's being, uh, that's being reaped from the work that we do. That is powerful. Wow. <laughs> You have me speeches that that is a powerful statement when you think about like, oh, yeah, people, you know, in wheelchairs navigating a curb. That's really tough. But when you bring it on such a personal level, like that could be me. Mm -hmm. It's so it's all about the why in in pretty much everything that we do. And that's a question that I ask quite frequently. Why are we doing this? And if you realize why, then it's not just a, a routine task. It has a benefit to society. Absolutely. You know, I was just listening, I'm listening to the book, The Storyteller's Secret right now. And just yesterday, it got to the part of the book where they were talking about Southwest Airlines and how they created their culture. And they did it by telling stories, um, customer service stories of them helping people to live their lives. And they had real people um 
the stories of real customers of theirs who were able to get to a sick parent, you know, be with their daughter when she was giving birth to her first child, like making sure medical supplies were getting to someone who needed them in time. Like when they made what they did real, right, where people could connect to what's the bigger mission that we're here, who, like, who are we serving and what are we actually doing here? They have one of the, the strongest and most loyal uh, employee base of any company in the U.S. And it's because of the stories that they tell. They connect what they do to the people that they serve. So amazing. It, it really makes a big difference. Oh, this just made my heart feel good. <laughs> this is a good day. <laughs> so, right, yeah, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> you definitely did. I'm going to go back and listen to this again. But now we're going to go into our leadership roundup, right? Where we're going to ask you about some of the resources and practices that you take on. So to kick us off, what is one practice that you have that helps to make you a better leader? Well, I, I, I pray every day, at least twice, sometimes more, and, and, and meditate. Um, it, gets, it gets my day started off on the right foot. It keeps me calm. And the days that I don't, there's a noticeable difference in, in how things go. And so I've, I've made that a practice. I love how you said at least twice, because I've also made it a practice to meditate and reflect and pray in the morning. But I find I need that little recharge <laughs> at some point in the middle of the day, too. Yeah, and at so. the end of the day, you know, we need to express gratitude and, and yeah. know what went right. And, and I find that then I, I have a very good night's sleep after that. Yeah, when you focus on the positives, because it's so easy to focus on what went wrong, and we overlook how many things absolutely went right that day. Yes, I think, you know, the what went wrong is kind of a survival technique, but it, it doesn't make for a very happy life. Right, right. It'll keep you alive. Mm -hmm. There's a benefit to it, but it's not what you want to give all your time and attention absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. And Karen, what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? So, oh my gosh, there are so many of them. <laughs> but I have one that I noticed I go back to uh, quite frequently, and it's called How to Become a Great Boss. And it's by uh, Jeffrey J. Fox. It ha it's, it, it's a small book, it's rather short, and it has many chapters. And I I find that some for some reason I, I go back to this book at least once a year. Really? Sometimes more often. Mm -hmm. What is what is maybe one or two of your favorite tips from the book? Uh so one of them is it's all about um hiring that, you know, kind of like the only hire A's. So A plus A equals A. And and that's about attitude and um, you know, A players, B players, C players. So mm -hmm. you tip, you want to hire A players because they will hire other A players. If you hire, if you hire less than that, then, then they kind of stay at that level. And, and really it's all about attitude. Mm -hmm. Love that. And Karen, what advice would you give your younger self? I would tell my younger self to play a team sport <laughs> for sure. Oh. <laughs> Play a team sport. It helps, you know, the, playing in the sandbox better. Uh, and you, you learn about uh, give and take. You know, as, as the oldest, maybe I was a little bit um, uh, bossy at, 
at the risk of using that word. But if right. I had played a team, I, I don't know, I feel as though if I had played a team sport, things might have been a little bit different. So I would certainly tell tell myself that and also to take more risks when I was younger. And share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. I like to tell myself that anything is possible. And it, it's kind of odd, you know, as an entrepreneur and a person who did take a risk and, you know, pretty much risked everything uh, to do what I'm doing. But I find that there are times that I just don't think that the net, that think about the possibilities and if I tell myself, well, gee was anything is possible, and if I just ask the question instead of assuming that it can't be done, um, what I found is that I can, get, I can get what we need, you know, from a company standpoint and also from a personal standpoint. I love that. It keeps the options open. Absolutely. And it's made a lot of different, it's made a big difference. And I was surprised at how many times if I just, when I just ask People say yes. <laughs> the book I'm reading before I go to sleep at night is was recommended um, by Susan Morris a uh, bunch of episodes ago, but it was Women Don't Ask. And I found myself starting the book getting angry. And then, you know, in my mind went, this is a reminder. This is just a reminder, right? To just ask. Like when you know you need something or you know you want something to just ask for it because it is possible. And what they found was women often um, kind of did it to themselves, whether they were, you know, whether we're conditioned to it or not. But more often than not, it was because women didn't ask for what they wanted or needed because they assumed they that if it was possible, it would have already happened. Absolutely. And it's one of those, you know, I, for, I forget which science fiction movie it it's from, but you know, you play kind of the mind game that you look at the person in the eye and you say something positive or actionable that you want them to take. And then the next thing they in fact have done that. Um, it happened, it actually happened to me at the flower shop the other day. A guy said, you know, this, this flower looks a little wilted. And I said, so you're going to give it to me for half price, right? And he said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> The Jedi mind trick. Yeah, I'm that's taking it. that one on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, Karen. All right. So, Karen, tell us what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Because you've been a ton of fun and people are going to want to know you more. <laughs> Terrific. So, um, through our website, it's www.kmjinc.com. And on our homepage at the very bottom, I think, is a little profile of me. And uh, my email address is there. Awesome. Thank you for that. And for those of you who are listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Karen has said it multiple times in this episode. She loves collaborating. So reach out to her, tell her she did a good job, and maybe ask for something. <laughs> so Karen, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thanks so much, Jody, And I really appreciate being on the show and uh, look forward to your future episodes. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life? Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognized to reserve your spot in my upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work that you do. 
And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me, and here's to your success.